following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. And dare I say it, Merry Christmas. Hmm. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for your great love for us. The love that you proved by sending your Son. And Lord, as we turn our attention now to your word, we pray that your Spirit would speak to us, that we would have ears to listen and eyes to see and soft hearts to receive the message that you have for us. We trust this time to you for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm. We are uh, continuing our study um, of Charles Wesley's hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, this morning. Um, And over the last few weeks, we have been looking hard at two of Wesley's well-known hymns of Advent, uh, starting with Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus, my favorite. And last week, we looked at verse 1 of this hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and now we're going to look at verses 2 and 3. I told you I was going to try really hard to get in both. So I hope you don't have plans for lunch. I'll just say. So often we sing these songs, but we don't take much time thinking about what they mean. Uh, Music has a way of connecting our emotions and our souls in worship. Um, Modern worship music especially aims for that. But Wesley had a way of communicating um, or connecting people's minds as well. Um, that's not to say that modern or newer songs don't do that, but Wesley's purpose was far more than just getting people to open their hearts and connect their emotions uh, with God through singing. His purpose was also to teach theology to the masses. This was a way to get widespread. Mm. You know how you get a song stuck in your head? And in our house, that, when that happens to one person it infects everyone. So when one person just hums a bar of death is just around the corner, everybody gets stuck with that song. And now we're going to be stuck with it all day. (laughs) It's true. Sharing is caring. Now, you guys all know that song. (laughs) No, never mind. Thank you for whistling. Okay, you can stop it. Uh, no, I can't. Oh, I'm glad I wrote all this stuff down. Uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, Charles Wesley was part of a great revival that uh, came to be called the Great Awakening. Um, and his songs were one of the main vehicles that brought uh, solid theology to all of the new converts. And in his lifetime, he wrote over 6,500 hymns. Uh, and not just Christmas carols either. So today we're going to look at verses 2 and 3 of Hark the Herald Angels Sing and see the doctrine of what the scholars call the incarnation of Christ. 
and you can impress your friends and family later on when you wish them happy incarnation day and they say what is that and then you can sing them this song and explain it to them <laughs> or not I guess that's up to you Christ by highest heaven adored Christ the everlasting Lord late in time behold him come offspring of the virgin's womb veiled in flesh the Godhead see hail the incarnate deity pleased as man with man to dwell Jesus our Emmanuel hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king so just by way of review our source material for these angels not named herald uh, is Luke chapter 2 uh, verse 8 through 21 and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear and the angel said to them fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord and this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased when the angels went away from them into heaven the, angel, the shepherds said to one another let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger and when they saw it they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them but Mary treasured up all these things <coughs> pondering them in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them and at the end of eight days when he was circumcised he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb so as we look at our old Christmas carol we see in the first line of verse 2 Christ by highest heaven adored Christ the everlasting Lord just as the angel proclaimed in Luke 2:11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord now I think it's important to understand the meaning of the word Christ in case you didn't know Christ is not Jesus last name uh, his last name was actually bar Joseph if you really want to know it means son of Joseph Christ is a title not a name the word Christ is the English rendering of the Greek word Christos or Christos which is a translation of the Hebrew word Messias or as we say in English Messiah so when you see Messiah in the Old Testament and Christ in the New Testament it means the same thing 
both Christ and Messiah mean anointed one or chosen one. Jesus was first referred to as an anointed one back in the prophecies of Daniel in chapter 9, if you want to look that up later. So this Christ, this anointed one, was said in the song to be adored by highest heaven and to be the everlasting Lord. This is from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 12. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. Jesus, the Christ, the Anointed One, is the everlasting Lord. He is before all of creation and will outlast creation. And he is adored by the highest heaven, worshipped by the angels. Hmm. Wesley says, Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Now, I recognize it doesn't drum very good, but sometimes you just have to compromise. Every one of these lines in this song is a sermon in itself, and I feel like I'm just skipping over the high points here. As an expositor, this type of thing drives me crazy. I just want to stick with one verse and stay there. But... That's not what we're doing today. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says, But when the fullness of time had come, that's the late in time, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman. There's Virgin Mary, the virgin's womb. Born under the law to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons... God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. God, veiled in flesh. 
John 1.14 says that the Word, Jesus the Son, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, all the fullness of God. Hail the incarnate deity, God made flesh. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. First Timothy 3.16 says, Great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. And again in Colossians 1.15-20, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. I'm struck by these wonderful truths that Jesus is just not a subject for cards. It's more than just that picture of a, of a, of a serene little stable and and well-behaved animals and shepherds and wise men, which was taken out of context because they didn't show up until two years later. But it's so easy for us to just romanticize Christmas and it's, uh, it's about a baby and uh, shepherds and uh, you know whatever and then Christmas trees and Santa Claus and ho-ho-ho and all that stuff. There is so much more with the incarnation of Christ that the world robs itself by just being satisfied with romantic holidays or romanticizing holiday. God took on flesh not to sell cards. (laughs) He was incarnated and dwelt among us as Emmanuel. That's what the word means. God with us. And he did so for one purpose. And we can see that purpose in verse 3 of our song this morning. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. Mild He lay His glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. The heaven-born prince of peace, the son of righteousness, will bring light and life to all those who believe in him. As Malachi 4.2 says, But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. This is not just about making sure the kids get a week off in the middle of the winter. 
mild he lay his glory by. We talked about that word mild in the first verse. This is straight out of Philippians 2, 5 through 8. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. The truth of the matter is that we cannot consider the birth of Christ without remembering his death. We cannot stop with the manger and not consider the cross. The work of Jesus Christ on earth becomes nothing more than a fairy tale. He would have no more value than Santa Claus if we stop with the manger and forget the cross. Jesus Christ was born to die. Not born to create a religion. Not born to enslave people to dogma. Not, uh, not born to sell cards for Hallmark. He was born to die so that by faith in him, man may no more die. He was born to die so that by faith in him we might be raised from the dead when he returns. He was born to die so that through faith in him we might be born again. He was born to die so that my dear friend Pauline, who shared the gospel with her life, has hope in the face of death. We can't truly appreciate Christmas without considering the cross. Christmas and the cross are both for us. Jesus came to live the life that we were designed to live. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus lived without sin, never disobeyed the Father. That's exactly what we were supposed to do. And we didn't even make it a single generation we didn't even make it to the fourth chapter of Genesis before we screwed that up. Jesus lived the life that we were designed to live without sin in complete obedience to God the Father. And because we can't live that life, because we've inherited Adam and Eve's sin nature, because of our sinfulness, he had to die the death that we deserve. And he rose again so that we too, by accepting our guilds, and trusting in him and his work on the cross to deal with the eternal consequence of our sinfulness so that we would be raised with him and be brought into his eternal kingdom. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 7, says, For we ourselves were once foolish disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating each other. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, 
so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's the point of Christmas. So that we might be justified by faith. That we might become heirs to the hope of eternal life. Hmm. Hark, those herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. He was born to die for us so that we might not die, but through faith in him have everlasting life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Hmm. Father, I know this is a little bit of a whirlwind blowing through these songs. But I pray, Lord, that the seed of the gospel would bear fruit, would grow in our hearts, that our faith in you would be secure, that we would know that your birth in a stable all those long years ago, it was not just a cute picture, but you took on flesh, veiled your glory in this flesh to live the life that we were designed to live and die the death that we still deserve to die so that by your grace we might be saved. Father, we've earned only death, but you have given the free gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. So I pray, Lord, this morning, if there's anyone here who has not put their trust in you to deal with their sin on the cross, I pray, Lord, that they would ask for your forgiveness this morning and accept the gift of forgiveness and eternal life through faith in Jesus. For those of us who have known you a long time, I pray that we would not forget that Christmas not just about your birth, but your birth was... just a peace and that your death is why you came to die the death that we deserve I pray Lord that our conversations uh, around the Christmas tree around the table with our friends and family that gather may bring attention to the true meaning of Christmas the advent of our Lord Jesus help us focus Lord and remember you we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.